This is the Video Junkyard Podcast. A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. From this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half-man, half-ape with the strength of 20 demons. Welcome back to another episode of the Video Junkyard Podcast. I'm Joe Peterson. With me, as always, my good friends and co-hosts, Eric O'Branson and Ryan Skyskull. Gentlemen, how you doing? How you doing? I'm all right. I'm, I'm all right. I'm all right. Doing pretty good. Yeah, pretty I guess. Good. Like, <laughs> pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah, I guess at this moment, I'm doing great. Uh, everything else in the world's kind of weird, but... Yep. We'll, uh, but this is fine. We'll just leave it at that. I don't even want to talk about that. We're... we're Doing this, doing the podcast, watching movies, chatting, drinking beers, good. I did take down the last of my Christmas decorations today. Mm-hmm. Oh, so did we. Outside. Like, yesterday, actually, but yeah. Yeah, the outside ones. I was just like, it's funny because we were just talking the night before about how long we're going to keep them up. I'm like, you know what, the outdoor ones don't bother me because it's just, you know, lights and some green garland. It's not a, it's, not, it's just, you know, seasonal. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. And then the, this morning I got up and I look outside and we're the only person on the block with them still up. I'm like, was there a fucking meeting? It's just like, <laughs> they were just gone. So I had really to rush like, out yeah. this morning. I'm like, don't be that guy. Put them so together. You know, hell no, I'm not going to be Mr. Christmas on this block. Like, get this stuff down. I like how I just so wanna... easily socially pressured you are. And literally there is no one around. And oh, you're just dude, like, that's... I'm the one house. That's just... I don't know. I do that with my yard, too. Like, oh, crap, one of my neighbors mowed. Now I have to. <laughs> Especially if it's a next-door neighbor, because then your lo- your yard looks really shitty. Mm. Yeah. It's that's so why bad you that, only... Like... This is what you do. You mow that one half that's near that lawn, but then you do, like, a gradient. A gradient. <laughs> give, it, <laughs> give it a zero to three fade. <laughs> yeah. You just got to tilt just the lawnmower yeah, up a little bit. Fade your lawn into everyone else's on both sides. But, like, but I'm going to do like, some oh, low look, spots. There's a I'm going to do some lines and some lightning bolts and maybe a Jordan symbol, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to buzz yeah. that in my yard. Or I'm you got like, well, to line, no, just you line the edges. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. It's so bad, but yeah, you do. I think it's part of owning a house or just, you know, being in a, like, a neighborhood or whatever. But, like, you're always like, like I think... At least I assume you are, because I was when we were buying this place. Like, yeah, I'm not going to be like that. Yeah, I'm moving to the suburbs, and yeah, I'm buying a house, and now I got a lawn and all this stuff. But I can, I don't care about any of that stuff. And then, like right away, you notice, like, oh, they mow their lawns, so and now my lawn looks like shit. I better go mow my lawn. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because right before they mow, you'll look at your lawn and go, I should mow that, but eh, it's all right. Yeah, <laughs> it's all it's all the peer pressure because you'll be like, well, they didn't mow. Looks about the same, so I'm good. Like, what is it? Com- keeping up with the Joneses, right? Yeah. Completely yeah. different yep. life than you guys, because yeah, I well, I, I grew up in the fucking woods. There's no yeah. neighbors. We mowed a lawn if there, if it quote unquote lawn existed, um, but it was mainly because of actual like animal issues. <laughs> like, oh, this is literal tall grass. This is gonna attract ground wasps and, and yeah. snacks and stuff yeah and snakes and shit uh <laughs> yeah so it's like i gotta literally combat Reasons nature actually i gotta to combat know, nature like, yeah <laughs> yeah no. no it just starts right, anyway. to happen it's it's weird like this is another version of old man talk it just starts to happen yeah. <laughs> and, and you get really you catch yourself doing it you catch yourself getting pissed about it sometimes you're like you know what I used to live in a fucking studio apartment. I didn't have to deal with any of this shit as you're pulling weeds, you know? <laughs> like, See, it was so guys, much easier when I had to do nothing else. You guys got to do what yeah. my dad just did. Um, recently, my dad's dogs now passed. Officially, all the dogs have now passed. It was it was pretty sad in the past year. Mm-hmm. Um, they passed, like, within three months of each other, uh, the last two dogs. Um, and I'm yeah. like, okay, all he has left is his, is his cat. Um and then he calls me up. He goes, "So, I now own two goats." <laughs> I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, "What? You're like really a dog owned... that mows your lawn." 
It's like a dog. And exactly, that's what he fucking said, too. It's just like, eh, dog that mows my lawn. I'm like, Dad, yeah. it's November. You don't have a lawn right now. Yeah, what are you doing with the goats now? <laughs> I read Talk that to somewhere them. that that's like how lawns used to be manicured. Is they just the, yeah. the queen would just send out the sheep, and the sheep would just you know yeah. keep the grass clipped. Well, I don't know if it's true, yeah. but I've heard that. Well, we're gonna we're it gonna find out when sense. spring comes around and his goats uh, are Which, out there. So. Speaking of weird things of questionable history, uh, mm-hmm. and before we get into this episode tonight, I do want to give a quick mention of a new show that I discovered on Netflix that I highly recommend, oh. and it's The uh, History of Swearing, uh, hosted hmm. by none other than friend of the podcast who doesn't know he's a friend of the podcast, Mr. Nicholas Cage. Oh, nice. Yeah. I'm yeah, waiting for he's him. He's definitely a friend of the podcast, whether he likes it or not. So, Well, yeah. the way that his career has been going, he would take any role. I'm waiting for him like to become a yeah. easy, not even a guest spot, but a liter- legit like member. I, I, <laughs> I, I got 100 bucks on that. I'll give him 100 bucks to be on our show. So he I think needs that's it. Out he's there. got debts. That's out there, yeah. Mr. Cage, if you're listening. Like, please. Like, please. <laughs> Come on. You can just say one thing, and you can whatever it is, you can just leave them. It's fine. Right. And it's a podcast. You don't worry about have to keep dyeing your hair, even though you clearly are dyeing your hair. But I highly recommend, especially Eric. I know you're a, a cage. Oh yeah, I'm on like a never-ending fan. cage kick. So that's... Um, it's it's one of the greatest things I've seen in a very long time. Looking yeah, yeah, I'm gonna have awesome. to check. And, that and out. the episodes are only like 20 minutes long, so they're they're you know short, short digestible. Like today, we're gonna talk about the history of the word fuck, and it's just like, oh, I needed this. This is awesome. <laughs> so. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, one thing that you will not, you won't hear any of words like that, though, in the movie that we're going to be discussing tonight. Because we're I actually mean, discussing a children's movie. I mean, I Arr. said fuck quite a bit when watching this movie. As in, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's a kid's movie from the 80s. So it goes um, into dark twists. It goes into some dark twists. And we are talking tonight about the 1985 animated adventure film, The Adventures of Mark Twain. Roll it. Now, for the first time, through the magic of claymation, the best-loved characters of America's greatest storyteller come to life. It's The Adventures of Mark Twain. I go to meet the comic. It's Tom Sawyer, Huck Finn, Becky Thatcher, and a frog named Homer. Shipmates on an incredible voyage from the Mississippi to the Milky Way. Let's catch it. Aye, aye. Explorers on a remarkable ride to faraway places, far-gone times, and far-out creatures. Hello. Adventurers on a breathtaking trip into the heart of Haley's Comet. Come. Join them on their quest for fun. I'm getting out of here. Danger. And excitement. Come, share the adventures of Mark Twain, the first feature film in the magic of claymation that will make you believe in imagination. Had either of you seen this one before? Nope. Didn't even know it existed. Okay. I absolutely had. I saw this as a kid. I'm not sure when. Um, but it probably explained a lot, didn't wouldn't it? have seen it in 1985. And if I had, I probably wouldn't have a memory of it. But uh, I'm pretty sure like either the library or the video store or something had this movie because I have seen it somewhere growing up. And then I came across it again in like a thrift store on VHS, uh, you know, more recently and uh, had a copy of it for a little while, watched it 
probably only once, but revisited it, you know, probably 10 years ago or so. And I think I since have don't have it again anymore, but, um, yeah, so I'd seen it a couple times at two different points in my life, and it's one that uh, I had fond memories of, and I feel like revisiting last time, it lived up to some of those, and then kind of changed some of my perceptions of it from the from growing up with it. But So I honestly think the first time I saw anything from this movie was perhaps as a kid, um, maybe in Sunday school. Right, because uh, there are some scenes in here, of course, that, that depict um, Garden of Eden. That's, and, a, that's a bold move, given uh, Mark. But Tom's not all of it. But criticism of, it. of yeah. yeah, just just parts <laughs> of it, and it was like heavily edited. But otherwise, and I can't confirm that. Like I have a vague memory of that, but I know I've seen it like in that context and caught it. But I think this was my first time watching it from beginning to end. Mm. So huh. it was a movie I was aware of, and there's some scenes we'll be talking about that are so famous now just because of their content that it all kind of overshadows the movie but to give you a quick synopsis uh this uh the adventures of mark twain is uh directed by will vinton and it's actually done in his famous claymation style so it's an animated film but it's entirely claymation uh you may remember the old 80s california raisins uh also another will vinton uh you know animation style this oh, one yeah. takes Tom Sawyer, Becky Thatcher, and Huck Finn join Mark Twain on his airship to meet Halley's Comet. Um, one thing I thought was kind of uh, interesting about this one is the the whole setting about Halley's Comet in this, which is you know the the point about Mark Twain being born when Halley's Comet came through once, you know, and then he died the day after it came through again. Mm-hmm. So they they kind of play up that legend. Uh, in this one a bit but being a claymation film it's it's got some some very unique style so ryan i wanted to start with you what it, what are your thoughts on the the animation style in this it's interesting oh man it's interesting because there's some moments where it's definitely like just messy irreversible play-doh marbling that were like yep those colors are fused and it uses it as like uh, weird cloud effects or transition effects, um, so it's like, I, I I guess it's just it's like it's not always as effective. But and there's other situations that I'm like I'm like I'm like this is just just the way the faces moved. I was actually quite intrigued. I'm like this, this is captivating me. Um, it's enjoyable. It's rough. They're not smooth. It's. Um, and and it, and it, they they make that work aesthetically, like with with that world. Well, I mean, California raisins. It's easy to do that, but with with actual people and backgrounds and everything, it, it moved quite smoothly. I, I weirdly enough, I didn't think that I'd enjoyed it as much. But now that you asked the question and thinking back of it, I'm like, I I kind of did. There were there were some scenes where it's definitely great, and I think the most effective one, which I'm sure we'll talk about it later, but just for your question was definitely with the mysterious stranger like yeah. that scene that's that's when everything for me picked up and it's especially the animation mm-hmm. um those elements when it goes darker yeah it, it's like the effective i think vinton is really good at expressions or you know uh yeah his work is is really unique in the fact that there's the subtle motions of you know an eye roll and maybe you know like a huff before they speak it's those little motions in the face that you see and you're right even though it's kind of a rough sculpt that's still present there yeah a lot of time and detail just for those little things very much what what were your thoughts eric um it was it's this kind of animation or claymation i should say because they trademarked the name the uh claymation Mm -hmm. but um will vinton's stuff is very like nostalgic for me and i don't know if it comes back to this movie specifically but like the california raisins the domino noid um yep ad campaign that he did the um disney only michael jackson film captain eo he did the special effects for uh he did the uh, this is both michael jackson related because i was a mega fan when i was you know six years old Uh but um in the film moonwalker michael jackson movie moonwalker he did a uh, short film or a short vignette in that as well so all of this will vinton stuff was kind of packed into like my 
right being like right around six, seven years old when I saw all this stuff. Oh, the Christmas and, special um, too, the Will Vinton yeah, Christmas special. Right. Yep, that's good too. And uh, so this style, and yeah, you're right. His his just the way he sculpts people, his faces, the faces are so expressive. But they all kind of look like Will Vinton characters. They all kind of have that kind of um, sameness about them, and not that they look the same, but just uh, could be the way they move or something. But so his style is very unique, and it just brings me right back to being like that age and seeing this stuff uh, all over TV. I mean, he was uh, how many commercial campaigns yeah. was he doing? And um, so well, yeah, I, kind I, of I think stopped. that's where it. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I think that's more what it what it does to me. Art-wise, I think it's amazing. I mean, just anything that, like, you could... And, yeah, people could, could nitpick at it compared to, like, you know, where animation... Animation's amazing now with CG and the capabilities and the things they can do with it. But the fact that this is... Uh, you can kind of see the warts sometimes, you know, the finger finger <laughs> fingerprints and, like uh, Ryan was saying, smudging effects and, and stuff. Um, but I think some... I mean, it's kind of like my attraction to you know um practical special effects and such like that like I, I could see the work put into it i can see the art you know uh sometimes when you smooth over things too much i feel like the art or maybe the artist disappears the art kind of still stands by itself but you, you don't have that that connection to the artist i feel like but you, well the, the, the uh, more common oh i'm sorry ryan go ahead i was just gonna say like i think the one effect that stood out the most that is purely um like i've never seen really done in a way but makes sense in claymation was there uh the indexo vader the elevator object yeah. that they just like it had like a doctor who element of like you just walk like this just uh monolith slab just appears and it's solid and they just walk through it and it's like it, it functions as an elevator like as a sci-fi concept just fascinated me and I realize it's because of that, like, how can we do this as an effective way of transport without putting too much effort into it? It's like it's a simplistic solution uh, done because of the medium that you're using. And I'm like, that is just a fascinating concept. Like, it's created out of a simple solution with the material. And I'm like, I love this elevator. If anything else, I love this. Just, just this. I don't know what it was. It was just like... It excited me in the same way that the I got, I think after watching twenty like two thousand one Space Odyssey like a monolith, just always I don't know something yeah. about it. <laughs> well, I was just gonna bring up how if you look at stop motion animation, which is a side note, I I still have to correct myself because growing up this was stop motion animation, so I have a habit of calling all stop motion stuff claymation. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, modern day stop motion animation uh, really being. Uh, handled mostly through um, Leica Studios, who've done, you know, Kubo and the Three Strings. Oh yeah, um, yeah. that's great. You know, yeah. all of those. Uh, Coraline. Coraline. Coraline is another great one, yeah. and uh, Box Trolls. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Paranorman. So you know, all of these really great movies, and I, I think I would probably watch two of those before I realized it was stop motion, because it looks so smooth oh, it's and, so and, good. and yeah. it's so good. But it almost looks like what you see with computer animation in some scenes. Um, and so that's not to down it because they're telling these really wonderful stories and they're doing it with stop motion and it's it's absolute wonder. But I wonder if they would be there today if it wasn't for Will Vinton. Probably. I mean, I, I mean, yeah, they probably would be uh, not 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 as not as well known, maybe, I would argue. I don't know. Well, I'm just looking at like the, because I don't remember seeing in any kind of stop motion, stop getting facial expressions in stop motion is something that's grown for years, going all the way back to you know Willis O'Brien and Ray Harryhausen, and it's kind yeah. of grown and then into Will Vinton, and it, it he really started making stop motion look like you know faces and and really capturing that. I feel even though they're yeah. very caricature. You know, they're, they're like moving characters. But yeah, the way his faces move, I mean, everything is so expressive, which is, which is, I think, unique to his work. A lot of other claymation or like that type of stop motion animation doesn't have that like extreme attention to detail. Uh-huh. And it's almost like watching, even though they're totally, like you said, caricatures, they don't look like real people. You know, they got giant heads and ex- exaggerated features and all this stuff. But there's something very real about the way that their faces move and the way that they, you know, express and move their eyes. And um, 
so it's it, it very, does. You you start to really like believe in the characters. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you you because the way like the number one way we communicate is through facial and yeah. uh, body postures and such, and that level of detail put into that, you actually know who a character is more on their appearance than their actual not uh without their words alone and that is definitely done here not not all the characters have the same facial expressions like they may share some similar ones but each one definitely seems like they have their own unique characteristics so yeah going off of that um there's an interesting thought though that i just had while while you were speaking about this is that out of the three of us, you guys were still kids when more stop animation, uh, stop motion animation was used more regularly in oh, film. Oh yeah, it was everywhere. Mm-hmm. Where for yeah. me, like mind you, like one like God, um, so I was born in eighty nine. So like for me, the first movie I actually kind of like saw that featured special effects was Jurassic Park. I saw it in theaters. Uh, as a three-year-old um so but i remembered it but i that's animate that's uh animatronics and digital uh animation and that was one Um, of the first times to do both exactly and so that's like that's the start for me but and but for me looking back because i've seen stop motion stuff but at that point stop motion was already this gimmick where like watching it like even as a young kid i'm like this is definitely like this is a weird aesthetic choice, but I also understood like well that's what they had at the time. But I can't imagine it being like watching it in a theater like this is the cut and this is the pinnacle of special effects. You know what I mean? You guys yeah. get what I'm saying? Yeah. So, and and yeah. I think well, I mean, it got so common where like in the early '90s on Saturday morning cartoons when those were a thing, um, you know, like the, the bumper right. characters. That's- what Fox i would see them from like abc after ABC these messages yeah yeah, yeah, yeah the, mtv did tons of them too oh mtv did a lot yeah the um, uh all the weird little stop motion yeah. bumpers or uh um, bump in the night was a completely claymation yep. that was one of my right. favorite cartoons to watch but that's the thing i saw claymation and anim- that main animation style as cartoon like if you had a whole yes. thing like this movie or bump in the night that's done entirely like this you can immerse yourself in the world but however if you saw it like with a live action there was this weird divide well like that, kinda... and i think that was wonderfully displayed actually in the uh, late 70s early 80s with gumby uh, oh yeah gumby <laughs> where eddie murphy played gumby <laughs> that, on Saturday Night Live. that showed, was my first yeah, gumby this, this doesn't work as, as live action i'm gumby damn it um <laughs> you know that but gumby was a, a really important stop motion thing as well so um but yeah i, I think will vinton's work it, it's still yeah i have the nostalgia thing too eric um and, and ryan i see what you mean it's just it is pretty detached from what when when special effects are pioneered they they change everything and yeah. originally jurassic park was going to be stop motion Mm-hmm. Uh, since you brought that up, it was originally going to be stop motion by Phil Tippett, who's a, another well-known stop motion animator. Uh, who they instead kept him on to do storyboards, but they ended up going with computer animation. So it, that really was kind of the end of when we start to see stop motion. Um, yeah. I did want to bring up the, the the whole premise about this. You know, so this is 1985 that this movie's made, and I'm watching it now in 2021, which feels weird to say, but. I don't know. I mean, I grew up hearing about Mark Twain and reading Mark Twain because they made you in school. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm really wondering, God, if Mark Twain really was like Mark Twain in this movie, he'd be annoying as shit to be around. (laughs) (laughs) Because all he does is just say these random little quips. Yep. Everything that comes out of his mouth is a parable or a a a Twainism. Yep. Well, Mark Mark Twain himself kind of... saw the work like everyone had two sides yeah. so what there's always the dream self and the real self right but the question is is like if you want to take a philosophical stance like what does he mean by dream self does he does he mean like somebody who like who you are in your subconscious or does he mean who you 
project yourself to be because Mark Twain wasn't Mark Twain. Mark Twain was Mark Twain and Samuel Clemens. Samuel Clemens. Thank you, Samuel Clemens. So that in itself, he is of two people. So, and you do get spoilers to Mark Twain's. That's right. Yes. Movie. As they go on this airship into peering into adventures of based on different Mark Twain stories. So they they do a couple of different uh, vignettes. Like they start with Mark Twain's first story, which is the celebrated jumping frog of Calaveras County. Um, they do Captain Stormfield's visits to heaven, the diaries of Adam and Eve from Letters from the Earth, uh, some stuff from Adventures of Tom Sawyer with the, the title characters, and then, yeah, The Mysterious Stranger, which we will get to. <laughs> um, but what did you think of the stories like that they um, chose? I think it was a cool concept that they used the general, like the airship and, you know, Mark Twain's... Essentially, it's about Mark Twain's passing, right? And yeah. uh, as the wraparound to kind of celebrate some of his lesser-known works and so some of his short stories and um the i think all of it works really well i actually think that at times the shorts just because the you know animation i think works very well in those kind of short um short subject uh i think the shorts each work very well on their own you could pull them right out of this movie and um, present them as like a short based on Mark Twain, you know, short animated film, and I think they work self-contained. Um, I do, however, as much as I enjoy them individually, feel like I wanted to see a little more like of the, you know, titular adventures of Mark Twain rather than just some <laughs> short films based on his, you know, uh, his his works, early works, lesser known works, mm-hmm. um, short stories, whatever you want to say. Um so yeah, I think instead of doing adaptations or you know um, things like that, I would have liked to actually see some adventures, have the airship stop <laughs> in some places, and have some stuff happen. Um, I think you still you still could have had this movie work that way. I mean, you, you already have ta- the characters be of Tom Sawyer, Huck Finn, and Becky Thatcher, characters from his novels. You have him, you know, talking about his work, and you can still have these like a few of these little vignettes, but. Um, well, I think that that kind of derails the main narrative. Sorry, Ryan, I keep stopping. No, no, that's fine. That's fine. I didn't want to interrupt your idea. Uh, I was going to say that I would argue that I kind of thought that's what this was going to be. And in the first part of it, the first half of this movie, I was kind of like, I was like, ah, oh, this is going to be painful. I was not getting into it. I was like, it's just going to be him just showing these kids different parts of his story this is just gonna and it's like i'm not really getting into it like the the jumping frog one i was kind of like okay it's that's fun but this feels like just a series of animated shorts featuring mark twain stories whatever but once we got to the fucking dark turn once we (laughs) hit the door of the mysterious stranger and then all the stories afterwards and you start to realize this is kind of like a weird surreal um autobiographical exploration of a man uh, like contemplating death not just a man but a historical figure contemplating death and explaining how does this mm, explaining how this historical or showing how this historical figure would contemplate death using his own stories to form that narrative mm-hmm. and to the point it's like it's it's fascinating you go in that direction where i'm just like actually i wish they pushed it more like exploring this man's subconscious through his work and like the sadder more somber parts of life and like the complexities the the devastation the depression but also the beauty in it and it's like holy fuck like it's like <laughs> the first yeah. half of the adam and eve story i was annoyed fucking senseless like that was the pinnacle of just like i hate this like my partner she's watching this and from the start and she's going what the fuck is this like i'm like we're gonna have to watch it i'm sorry um and then she gets up after it's done she gets up literally once the elevator fucking hits the mysterious stranger and she does her own shit and then i'm just like once that hits and like everything involved in that was just like oh my god this is getting deeper and darker i'm now entrenched and then they're getting into like 
the later half of the Adam and Eve, which I shit you not near the end of it, I almost cried. Mm-hmm. Like I was like that close to like, I, cause I'm like, I'm feeling like that fear that sits in the back of your mind of losing a partner. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, that's what some, that's what Clemens was actually fucking dealing with. Like the loss of his wife and they and putting that in part of the story. And it's just like, Oh my God, I'm into this. And she comes back and she's like, you're still into this, huh? I'm like, shh, shh. <laughs> this is this is better than you think but she didn't see the that part and she was already like nah, whatever well, she watched I, the I, end of it but yeah I, I think it was cool that you know i, I think it kind of did both eric I, I completely understand what you mean like it would have been cool to see them like go to different place i don't know kind of like a magic school bus kind of scenario you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah no but that is a fun concept i'm not denying it is that. oh and it's very <laughs> successful in you know things like this and in shows and i i personally liked it being this kind of anthology and it is really powerful that yeah it is you know you i guess even, it might lose that if you do yeah yeah but i think it definitely you know i didn't pick up on this as a kid but i mean you're looking at one of the most famous authors of all time who knows you know as he gets to the end of his life and he is taking with him his most famous characters on a little journey where they peer back and where he started with the jumping frog mm-hmm. to his lesser known works including his unfinished work the mysterious stranger is an unfinished mark twain novel right yeah yep. and you know these are all stories that deal with life and death so he's reflecting on his life with his most famous creations it's just that's pretty powerful it is um more than i realized and it's done in in kind of a cute way and like uh, the captain stormfield's visits to heaven i really got a kick out of oh i i do Uh, we should we should talk about that okay we should talk about that but very i do want to go ahead i want to get back to adam and eve afterward though so don't let me forget okay yeah i I was actually going to God fucking hey, that one. Um, I was gonna transition to something else, but I now I completely forgot. So now we're on the journey of this captain. That whole fucking set, like, so you, like we mentioned, like this, it turn, it hits a turn in the middle of it. It starts going to these more somber tones, uh, more serious. Oh, I remember what I was gonna say. Now watching this as a, I think watching this as an adult and as a kid, if you're a parent watching this with your kid at this time. Your kid can get into this a little bit, and as an adult, you're watching, it's going, oh, it's going to be one of these, like, funsy anthology series about a man's work. But once it hits those darker points, that is you as an adult can now, like, watch it and pick on this, like, the importance of the time that you spend with your loved ones, because you uh-huh. don't know when something's going to happen. But as an adult, you can appreciate that, and you can just look at your child, where they're just like, I don't understand this darker stuff. No, like, it's okay, I do. But after this let's do something fun you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. it's kind of one of those that's the way i was that's the first thing i was going to bring up but yeah the captain that was like a little light-hearted story (laughs) with a serious like a serious like question about heaven um in a funny way during these like dark times and just the fact that he gets sent sent to another alien's heaven oh my god (laughs) yeah like, how whoops, about, wrong heaven. <laughs> how about when they open up the door and they reveal what their heaven is? Is it's just like a, it's like a rave. It's a fucking rave. <laughs> I sent I sent yeah. a photo of it to you guys on Messenger, but we're probably maybe we'll pull this up on the cut. But it's at one point he he looks at these three. Well, he visits these three headed aliens, and there's just this back and forth of just like they they know that he's not in the right heaven, but he doesn't quite understand it. And he has this concept of heaven being like halos, wings, harps, uh, whatever. And they're like, okay, whatever. Uh, we'll let you in. It's just like, <laughs> we know you're not going to like it. Opens it up and Joe's right. They're fucking just doing coke off each other's fucking tits. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. They're just orgy. And it. it is actually like, this is hinting towards a lot of sexuality <laughs> in, in some ways. And I think what did it is when the one one of them turned around, and I shit you not, it has four breasts, and you can see the nipples on the shirt, and the shirt just says "Let's grok." Yeah. <laughs> and if you and you get it for a brief second, but if you look at the still, um, 
there's four fucking boobs and nipples sticking out of the boobs, like just on the shirt. And you're just like, huh? And then this captain fucking blows my mind and goes like, this isn't going to be my heaven. I'm going to go to another one, which turns out to be fucking boring as all fuck. That's the moral of the story. My, my thing is this. I would have stayed in that heaven. I'm like, oh, this is way better than I would have thought. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they well, yeah, cool. and I think that's the moral of the story. He gets to the real one, and he, I think he's kind of like, oh. It's lackluster. Okay. Yeah. They is, keep shushing I guess him. This is what I expected. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Probably having a little buyer's remorse there at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did want to go back just to the Adam and Eve thing. Yeah, the it the char- the versions of Adam and Eve here are annoying. Like, their voices are kind of annoying. Yeah. Um, yeah, at first I agree with Ryan. It's it's a little it's a little hard to get into, but by the end I also agree with Ryan and it's highly effective. So But just keep agreeing with Ryan. I'll just keep I, tallying I, I up do, those points. I do wanna know, <laughs> and maybe I'm the only one who noticed this, but did they intentionally make Adam look and sound fucking exactly like David Lynch? <laughs> <laughs> I did not notice that. I didn't either. It. I like yeah, to think, yes. They did. He's got the kind of nasally voice, you know, and he's, he just looks, he's got the hair. I'm like, holy shit, it's David Lynch. And I'm like, if you watch that whole segment with that in mind, awesome. <laughs> well, <laughs> gotta go, go back and now watch. You gotta go back and be like, <laughs> just realize this is happening like right after he writes Eraserhead or something. <laughs> yeah. You know, but you know the truth. Is, if that really was a David Lynch-like character, and if he was given the chance to go to that heaven with uh, let's grark people, oh, you know he would have fucking he would have went he would have fucking been grork in his fucking he rocked a lot. I think he yeah. Did oh my a god, lot in the 80s. I'm pretty sure. I yeah. think that's how he ended up being claymated. The Adam in this movie. <laughs> that is Seriously, exactly. go back and check it out. He looks exactly like David. And I got the impression that they, you know, intentionally the, the character models were modeled after Mark Twain and his wife, which also they modeled the Becky Thatcher um, and Eve from. Uh, and then, you know, the Mark Twain, basically the Adam character was made to look like a younger version of him. And when he yeah. aged, they looked almost identical. Yeah, right? when they showed um, that To part. kind of like really like you know tie it together that yeah we are we're talking about him reflecting on you know the aging and eventually the loss of his spouse so um yeah so i i feel like that was intentional why they didn't just have those characters do the voices for them i'm not sure yeah. like maybe they just thought that was that was good enough but <laughs> so. i don't and, know. uh you know and, and then we get to mysterious stranger that yeah. story Again, based on an unfinished Mark Twain novel, mm-hmm. where it's, in this version the kids meet Satan. Well, yeah. it's it's definitely a period of time in Mark Twain's life. I don't know if it's after his wife's death or not. I can't remember, but um, it's definitely that point where he started writing. Like humanity is awful. We're 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 just terrible creatures. We're not we're we're not relevant. We're not important. And we cause so much pain and misery. Like, it is definitely a harsh criticism of of humanity. And it is definitely portrayed here with the character of Satan or the mysterious stranger himself. Spoilers! It's Satan. But so, not the Satan. What, what, are your, what are your thoughts on this one, Eric? Yeah. I really, I really like this. Um, and I... Mostly because the whole thing has like a very dreamlike, surrealistic, um, kind of unsettling atmosphere to it. And yeah, there's a lot of like examination of humanity and kind of like the um, duality of life and, and fate and all this stuff that you, when you know the mysterious stranger is kind of talking through and doing his little like mock up of society and making his little clay people and um you know kind, kind of, of getting there the... for a second mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> clay people making clay people yeah and um it's but yeah i think it's more about what really works about it is that it's it's got this very unsettling tone to the whole thing and and that helps sell what you know it's talking about um it was always my favorite bit of the movie i think both 
both times I saw it before, and it probably still is. Just because I think it's the most effective, and it, it just it doesn't pull any punches. It's just right away. It's it's a bit it's a bit unsettling. The character introduces himself as Satan right off the bat, so it's like, whoa, okay, it, this is going to a dark place just right away. Right away, um, the way he kind of I don't know if manipulates the kids, but gets the kids involved in this kind of like social experiment with these clay people, and then you know ends up fight putting them at basically at war with one another and destroying them and then telling them that you know human beings actually have no value and all um i don't know but so it's it's this i don't know really really snapshot of kind of human human nature but i think it's just the way it's done the character design of the of the mysterious stranger is is great it's creepy it's uh something about the way he the voice is done too it's it in um it had it's a both dual male female yeah. performance, so it's it just I don't know. It's cool. It's a cool. Um, I don't know much about the Mysterious Stranger as a novel because it's a, it's an unfinished novel of Mark Twain's, but the little bit that they do in this is is effective and interesting. So mm-hmm. yeah, I uh, what Joe? Sorry. No, go ahead. I was gonna say I think one of the most haunting things for me that stuck when he when um this mysterious stranger satan himself uh says that i do not sin because i do not understand the concept um but Mm -hmm. says it says it with such like like i'm fine with that like that's fine like no i can't sin i don't understand it i'm like if that isn't a window into a socio or psychopath's mind just a complete amoral person's mind like i don't know what else (laughs) is like just like oh yeah no concept of morality therefore you have no like concept of sin like shame <laughs> and it's like that's horrifying <laughs> it's like no you know, you can explain it and define it to me all you want i just i'll never know so therefore whatever i do is not wrong and it's just like it brings up that question of morality it's like well fuck <laughs> it's like it's crazy how short of a scene that was and just mm-hmm. so how so much there is to unpack there, but I suppose that the same could be said about an unfinished short story. Mm-hmm. So yeah, which is available, like all the versions of it and stuff, and the notes you can find them and read them. But right, um, yeah, I personally have not, but it definitely is something that's now in my my interest. Like I'd like to to know more about that because this piece is is really quite impressive. Um, so I kind of want to, I I guess get to the 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 kind of the bookend story what do you guys think of that one compared to these little vignettes the like the wraparound like the airship and um the chasing down the comet yeah um there's not much of a story it ends up i I feel like it ends up just kind of being a wraparound to to kind of walk through all these other shorts but at the same time i do think by the end of it because the shorts tie into the general concept of it being about you know, Mark Twain coming to terms with mortality and, you know, ending his life in, you know, the way the way that we we all would love to see it happen and that, you know, on his own terms, right? And um the I think I think it works in that yeah, the, the, those those shorts all in their own way tie into that concept of, you know, Mark Twain, uh, his whole life, the way his work relates back to um back to it and him you know going on this final journey and kind of evaluating his life as it is and then the very end we're introduced to the other mark twain that's been hanging out on the airship the whole time too that is actually you know his his dark side um that ends up being crucial to saving the airship and and completing the journey that so they come back together and become one person and then transcend into Halley's comet and um that's the end so we already said spoiler warning but hey this thing's free on tubi if nobody uh has right. seen it yet go check it out so also it's that. been around for like over 30 years so. things, but yeah. yeah but, but you know um, something you bring up there too with the the whole theme about the splitting duality you know like the dark side and the light side that's celebrity isn't it you know yeah I mean, again it certainly a, could be said yeah a, a famous author he's standing here with his most famous creations and revisiting all these things as we said but he needs to rebond with his true self, not just the, you know, witty, cribbing 
character we see before. Well, yeah. that's to explore that. One must to uh, discuss the the other self character in this this narrative, the main narrative, which is not Mark Twain. Which, by the way, the name of the ship, if you got uh, if if you don't watch the movie, uh, is Mark Twain. And it's like it. The whole story is like, oh, this is actually like a representation of the ship. Mark Twain is now given to his characters for them to carry on the legacy of Mark Twain. Right. But but to have the shadow, the shadowy character who keeps showing up throughout, uh, is not Mark Twain, but it is in fact Clemens himself, and how he interacts with the characters in brief moments, kind of inches um, them along. He's the one who puts them on the floor with the mysterious stranger. Actually, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he also puts them on the floor of Tom Sawyer's own book. Yeah. Uh, at one yeah. point. Um, but uh, well, Tom Sawyer and, and, and Huck Finn find out for themselves. And it's just that he walks in. And they don't show it. But it's like the brief scene where he's getting reprimanded by his aunt for mm-hmm. white. And needs to whitewash the fence, whatever. But then they go through it again. And it's the scene where engine joe which i hate that fucking name engine joe is already trapped in the cave and if you know the story he dot he starves to death but engine joe shows up and mark and clemens i'm gonna call him clemens opens up that door and if you look at the level of detail at the the look of this demonic looking engine joe he looks like a starved crazed man who's been trapped for an mm. X period amount of time. Like, you know, if you ever read those stories of people lost at sea and they eventually cannibalize. Yeah. It's like that, because you see it in the teeth. Yeah, it's like monstrous. Horrible. Teeth and, oh, yeah. yeah. Like daggers. Like that level of detail for like the split second. And then followed by he ends them off and the mysterious stranger. So this is Clemens. This is the psych. This is the side of him that is actually him. The one who is dealing with like just the pain of life the one who wrote these dark elements in other words um, where did these yeah the true dark concepts they come from the self not the celebrity right and so yeah. for the well, show for the movie as well as as uh for for the viewers as well as for the main characters we're seeing the dream the mark twain he is appearing to be the captain of the ship guiding us but the true passenger the true person who who's on this journey is Clemens himself, who uh-huh. just wants to reunite with his beloved. And he just wants to die. He's like, I'm good. I'm ready. I want to go back to my Eden. So. Yeah. So, yeah. His his whole kind of character is kind of pushing the Mark Twain persona to, to give it all up and move on <laughs> in a way. But also, I think it, it's, it's, it's very metaphorical that he's, you know, taking three of Mark Twain's most famous characters that are very much a Mark Twain thing and showing him these, you know, darker moments that maybe are more of, like you said, the Samuel Clemens part of the personality. And um, so, yeah, it's kind of like taking, literally taking Mark Twain, the persona, Mark Twain, the celebrity, and, you know, dragging him back down to real life and saying, look at all these other, you know, these other things that, you know, these other thoughts that are going on in your head. Are there all these things we've lost and all these things that, um, the darkness and humanity and, um, yeah. So essentially well, I'm agreeing with you in long form, but yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 it's an interesting way that those two characters, the way it explores the two halves of a, you know, halves of a person, especially somebody like Mark Twain, who, who has had such a, you know, public persona like that he has such a diverse body of work yeah yeah. i feel like that's what this movie was supposed to was was actually trying to do is to remind you and that's actually the what what's that's the actual final uh interaction uh with when when he comes out and the kids are like oh we can lock him back up and then mark twain the the light half goes like no he's part of me like he's important like you have to acknowledge him because he is me like we are the same and that, like that, and that message carries also translates to his body of work. It's just like he wasn't just Tom Sawyer or Huck Finn, which, by the way, were the two stories that they only ever fucking shared 
in my school. Right. Yeah. So yeah. talking yeah. about celebrity, it's just like you talk about like not only how is the celebrity portraying themselves, but post humorously, how are they just be, uh, portrayed by society? And it's like that message of like you have to look at somebody's whole. Like, that's only fair to them as well as to ourselves. Holy shit, this movie's deeper than I thought. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fuck this. <laughs> I also wanted to briefly mention that the voice of the Mark Twains, uh, Samuel Clemens, is done by Mr. James Whitmore, also known as Brooks from Shawshank Redemption, amongst many, many other roles. Oh, yeah. But Lots of stuff. But if yes. you're, uh, you know, yeah. Brooks was here, so was Twain. And it works really well. Um, I, I do want to get your final thoughts and your grade, Eric. Let's start with you. What are your final thoughts on the adventures of Mark Twain? Um, I got a lot out of this. You know what? This is good. I liked it as a kid. I liked it the last time I saw it. Um, it's an interesting one for this podcast or like what we do on the video junkyard podcast. And that's kind of like, take something that you barely, you know, you remember from childhood and 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 revisit it and then you know see if it really like holds up to either modern day or scrutiny or special effects or whatever is it is it fun is it still entertaining but this is one and one of my favorite types of experiences that we have that is both like this is a really good movie that i think i enjoyed when i was a kid and it got a certain like set of things out of it um that you can revisit later as an adult and especially now as an older adult you know um age you know aging a bit having my own family you know getting into like the second phase of life um you get a whole lot of other stuff out of it so that's that's a really interesting um experience to have with a movie because you see you, you have it like it, from the two extremes of um seeing it as a very young kid and as an adult but um yeah, I think it, I think it's good, and I think it holds up. I think it's uh, as Ryan said. As we talk more about it, it's it maybe even deeper than I realized when I watched it last week. So um, there's a lot of stuff going on, and it's a cool um, kind of embodiment of Mark Twain as a person who is who you know who is Mark Twain, who is Samuel Clemens. This whole narrative, like you said, the the ship itself is called Mark Twain. So really, the whole thing is just a metaphor for dissecting this person or who he was as a man, as a celebrity, as a you know as an as a as an author as an artist and it's i don't know it does it pretty well and the coolest thing about all of this is it not only does the will vinton animation take me back to like being a kid but will vinton made all of this stuff in like the back of a store in portland oregon yeah and it was this tiny little studio and he went on to like keep working in it and he was doing this like you know these big movies and these ad campaigns and stuff that like national recognition and, and characters that would go on to be you know long remembered especially by people like were, were kids of our generation and um so that's always amazing and i think that's really a, a you know cool story i'd like to learn a little more about it just in a little bit of reading um but i appreciate that so anyway um yeah kind of long way to say i think i would give this one a b plus i think it's really I think on first watch, you're going to be thinking, oh, this is weird, kind of dated, kind of... But by the time you get to the end of it and you see what this movie's doing, like, it's really a well-designed, well-put-together piece of family entertainment. Because I think it works for every age group. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Ryan? Um, it's going to start probably sound very similar. Um, but yeah, no, this, this movie... Um now talking about it because this is the first time like since watching it yesterday but this is the first time actually talking about it and breaking it down but in our discussions it's like that realization like even for myself eric like oh wow this deep this movie actually goes a little bit deeper (laughs) um (laughs) hence that epiphany of like what the fuck uh that this this the downsides of this movie is it does have uh it is dated there is like a certain attention span you need to have and the first half of it is just kind of like not fun <laughs> for me uh, necessarily like it is kind of a, like it feels good it feels like it's gonna be pretty grueling but if you can manage past that it surprisingly enough finds a way to complete what it's tr- like transition and complete what it's actually trying to do and still maintain it within that like kid wonderment but as an adult if you're very if you're intentive enough and open-minded enough you can actually get a meaningful message out of it 
um, and 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 it can be effective. It can be quite effective. And the animation style and the way that they portray characters, as we discussed, uh, sells that fact even more. Like if you if you can, there's parts where you can just criticize and have fun with. Um, and there's some good humor in there that's like a good old time fashion humor, very much like Mark Twain. And there's parts that if you really take home that feeling of, of just how fragile things can be in life and how important relationships are now and then when they're gone, it, it sends that message home. And it's like life is beautiful and that beauty doesn't mean that things are always great. It just means that there's a complexity there and if you can admire that then you can see the beauty um and uh <laughs> it's weird that you don't like i did not expect this like bring up some some of those uh deeper thoughts but it it did and i i'm gonna give it a b because i think there's other media out there that it can better explain that to an adult um that better explores that in a way but as i give it a b for that reason but however if you are a mark twain fan um and you know you're having like kids and they're 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 not quite super young but they're maybe getting closer enough where they maybe can now read the message but still kind of appreciate the thing and you watch it with them uh and they're willing to be open to uh mark twain's work maybe they're reading it you know in middle school or whatnot uh then this movie can be way more effective because not only in its messaging but also expose that or not expose sorry but um show that mark twain uh as a as an author is more comp complicated and complex um and truly shows that he is a well uh a, a, a truly an a, a American writer to be proud of, mm -hmm. um, and and so that's that's where I leave it at. It's a B for that for that. So I'm actually also going to give this one a B. Um, the animation style is really quite striking, and I think for the most part it holds up with Will Vinton's style. Uh, what I have always loved about Will Vinton's stuff is it's cartoonish and quirky, but there's always a subtle edginess to it like if it turned dark quickly you wouldn't be surprised and it rarely does even with his other works but there's always that feeling that it could um and in this one it does in a few moments and it's done so with a with a taste and with a respect for the source material you know this is really a kind of a you know we said before like a swan song to, to mark twain yeah um how mark twain fits in 2021 i don't really know um, I'm not sure yet. That's something that really got me thinking as I finished watching this movie that I'm really going to have to digest on a little bit more. Um, overall, though, I think this is like... It's rare to find a family movie that somebody of all ages can get something out of. And this is surprisingly one of them. Um, I got something out of it I never considered before, or I, I didn't expect to get. Uh, and I know my kids would too, because it's got the fun cartoonish kind of stuff as well. That being said... Um, some of the voice acting work and, and the, the way they kind of do Tom Sawyer and Huck Finn and Becky gets a little annoying at times. Um, Mark Twain throughout most of the movie does have this kind of crazy rambling old man who just like quotes his own, <laughs> himself the entire movie, which is amusing. Like, and there, I caught myself chuckling at some of the, some of the, you know, Twainisms like cauliflower is just a cabbage with college education. I'm like, yeah, it's my like favorite that. fucking one. I was like, it's a really good one, you know, but, oh God, it's like, Dude, this guy would get old after a while. But overall, I um, I think this is one that deserves a little more attention than it gets. Beyond just The Mysterious Stranger, which, yes, that's a great, creepy scene. But it's, it's placement in the bigger picture about reflecting at the end of one's life is really quite touching. Um, and it's also in that kind of absurdist way that is befitting of Mark Twain. So yeah, I'm I'm uh, happy to give this one a B. Now, if anybody out there listening has also seen this one or just want to share your opinions of the 
Mysterious Stranger, because I know that floats around YouTube all the time. Uh, please feel free to drop us a line with any of your comments on this one or any other questions, comments, criticisms, or witticisms you might have for the Video Junk Air Podcast. You can email us those at videojunkairpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at videojunkpod or check us out on Facebook at our main Video Junk Air Podcast page or the Video Junk Air Podcast group. You write it, we'll read it, and we'd love to hear from you. And coming up next week on the Video Junkyard Podcast, uh, Joe actually said, hey, I really need to see this movie someday, so ask and you shall receive. We're going to be watching the 1980 horror sci-fi film Humanoids from the Deep yes. next week. So, uh, yeah, we'll... Bo- I think one that we're both going in blind, so we'll see if it's really a yes or not, but we'll... <laughs> but, uh, yeah, excited good to check that one out. So <laughs> Awesome. Uh, but we want to thank you for checking out the Video Junkyard podcast. Feel free to please share this around with your friends and neighbors. Uh, and hopefully you had a good time. And until next time, this is Joe Peterson. I'm Eric Branson. And I'm Ryan Siaskill saying, always obey your parents when they're present. Fools. What fascinations there are on this planet. Strange mortals with curious customs. You have been listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. You just can't let them go? Go! Stay on the road. Keep clear to the moors. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast. On Twitter at Video Junk Pod, and on Instagram as Video Junkyard Podcast, all one word. Want to thank you again for listening and keep digging. Who knows what treasures you'll find in the Video Junkyard? <laughs> <laughs>